It's great to be with you. Great to be with the folks that are outside uh, via technology, those that are watching online, and especially with uh, those of you guys here in person with us. Thanks for just being a part of this uh, series. If you're new, you are coming in on the tail end of um, probably, I think, the most impactful series we've ever done as a church. It's called Made for God, and we're examining our identity. We're examining gender and also sex. And so uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about pornography. And um, as always, we, we want to approach it with some understandings. The very first understanding is that we're going to um, approach this from a biblical perspective. All right? So the Bible is going to be our standard. It's going to be our authority. If that is not true for you, that is okay. We are just glad you're here, you're listening or watching. Um, but you may arrive at a different conclusion than we are. Um, and that's okay. Uh, secondly... This is not about politics. It is about people. It's not about politics. It's about people. We are all sexually broken people. We are all sexually broken people. So it's not about those people. It's about us. And then we want to be like Jesus. We want to be full of grace and full of truth at the same time. Now, one of the things that we've been doing that I found um, really helpful is on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, we've been gathering here in the sanctuary, and it's just an open forum for people to talk, to ask questions, to uh, just share. And um, this Tuesday is going to be the last one of those, so if you can come, please do. It's really been um, really great, and we've had people of all ages, really um, young teenagers to really old folks as well. So um, with that are you guys familiar with the saying that the eyes are the window to the soul? Have you guys heard that, that the eyes are the window to the soul? I actually believe this is a biblical concept. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 24, it says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, the point of this is that um, what you look at has a profound impact on your life. What you look at has a profound impact on your life. And so what you're gazing at is going to affect what you think about and what you pursue in the end. And this specifically has to do with a series that we've been in um, with regard to identity and gender and our sexuality. And one of the ways that we see that play out is that if we are gazing upon somebody that we have this attraction for, then what we will start to feel are these, these longings for, maybe lustful desires for, we'll want to possess them in a sexual way. And these are temptations that, that are among us each and every day, that we deal with this where we live, where we learn, where we work, and where we play. And, and even more than that, we see this playing out with pornography, with pornography, and it has a great effect on our lives. It, it used to be that you had to search for pornography, right? Um, like in my day growing up, if you wanted to view pornography, you had to get a magazine, right? Uh, Playboy was sort of the most popular one. Um, or if you wanted to uh, view a pornographic movie, you had to go to a theater, you know, like an X-rated theater kind of place. But now all of that has changed. You don't have to seek it out. It will seek you out as well. It is popping up all the time on your devices, on your screens. I, I want you to, to um, 
think about some of these statistics because pornography, it's just a click away. It says this, as many as one out of four online searches is for porn. As many of, as one out of four online searches is for porn. Every second, 30,000 people are viewing porn. The average age of first exposure to pornography is 11. And, and I've heard that it's gone way below that now. Pornography use increases marital infidelity by more than 300%. 300%. And in 56% of divorce cases, one party had an obsessive interest in porn sites. Pornography is a problem. <clears throat> I remember uh, my first exposure to pornography. I was in middle school. And again, I mentioned back then you had to get like a Playboy magazine. And, and they were pretty... Um, prevalent. A lot of our dads were looking at that stuff, and uh, they would hide those somewhere in the house. But let me just tell you, like, if you have teenage pubescent boys, nothing is hidden, right? Like, they can find, they just have, like, the, the ability to sniff that stuff out. And so my buddies would often come, and, and they had gotten hold of the latest Playboy magazine, and we would all gather together, some of us guys, and we'd start looking at the pictures. And that was my first exposure to pornography. I also remember my first exposure to a pornographic movie. And uh, a, a friend up the street was watching another neighbor's house for the weekend. They were out of town. And when they went in there, they found that they had this whole, whole host of pornographic movies there on, on VHS, if you're old enough to remember VHS. And so what did they do? Well, they called us all together, and so we all gathered up there, and we watched these pornographic movies. I got to tell you that the things that I saw then are still prevalent in my mind today. I, I cannot unsee those things. See, the eye is the portal to the soul, and the things, those images that I was looking at have been forever etched on my mind. They're forever etched on my mind. I cannot get free of that. And the sad part of pornography is um, sometimes it begins with, with just innocent curiosity, right? When, when you're a young person, you're curious about your body. You're curious about the opposite sex body. You're, you're curious about how they, you know, fit together, what does sex look like. And so you may be drawn into it just out of innocent curiosity, but oftentimes that turns to addiction, and then it gets darker and darker and darker. That's the reality of it. We've got a lot of younger people in here. Everybody familiar with Billie Eilish? You know who Billie Eilish is? A lot of people, right? Any old people know who Billie Eilish is? So singer, songwriter. Have you seen the Barbie movie? If you've seen the Barbie movie, she has a song, and it's called What Was I Made For? So that's a Billie Eilish song, and it's interesting that that's a song about identity, right? The search for identity. Now, um, Billie does not profess to be a Christian whatsoever, but she has shared in an interview some of the struggles and the darkness that she has discovered because of pornography. And I want to share excerpts of that, bit, that interview with you. So watch this. I think porn is a disgrace. I used to be like the person that would like talk about porn all the time. I'd be like, oh, it's so stupid that anybody would think that porn is bad. You know, I think it's so cool and it's great. I was an advocate and I used to 
watch a lot of porn, to be honest. I started watching porn when I was like 11. I, I didn't understand why it was a, a bad thing. I thought, I thought that's how you learned how to have sex. I think it really destroyed my brain. I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. I think that I had like sleep paralysis and these like almost like night terror slash just nightmares because of it. I think that's how they started because I would just watch abusive BDSM and that's what I thought was attractive. It got to a point where like I like didn't, I couldn't watch anything else like unless it was violent, I like didn't think it was attractive and I, had, I was a virgin, I, I had never done anything. It led to problems. The first few times I, you know, had sex, I was not saying no to things that were not good and it's because i thought that that's what i was supposed to be attracted to it's how so many people think that they're supposed to learn it's how so many men think that they're supposed to be i'm so angry that porn is so loved i mean she's just 21 years old now and the reason I wanted you guys to, to view her interview is to see this, that she's come to this conclusion based on her experience, not based on the Bible. You don't have to believe in the Bible. You don't have to believe in God to know that porn is destructive. It is destructive. The second reason I wanted you to see that is because she's a young woman. She's a young woman dealing with the devastation of porn. And for far too long, we've thought that this is just a guy's issue, right? Pornography is just a man's issue, but it is no longer just a man's issue. I don't think it ever was just a man's issue, but it is ever increasing for women and their struggle. And so um, with that in mind, I want to invite my wife, Carolyn, to come up. Um, she was excited to get this invitation to come and talk about <laughs> porn before you all. I mean, yeah. it's, she was so excited. She's been up most of the night. That so, uh, that part of the so yeah. Is true. So there. Yeah. Um, Scott asked me to do this and I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and he said, well, do you want me to ask some other woman to come up there and talk about it with me? <laughs> I guess not. So anyway, um, I want to start by going back to some things that Sutton said a few weeks ago. Um, just to remind us, before we get going. First, we're all created in God's image. Every human is an image bearer um, of the God that created us, and our sexuality is part of that. Second, we're not meant to be alone. When God created man, he then created woman um, so that man wouldn't be alone, and we're created to be in relationship with one another. And then um, last, throughout the Bible, the, um, the Marriage is seen as a picture of the relationship that Christ has with his bride, which is the church. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the church and therefore part of this collective bride of Christ. And um, the intimacy of marriage, the physical intimacy, the emotional intimacy, the spiritual connection that you have in the physical aspects of marriage are part of that image of the relationship that Christ has with the church. He loves us in that fullness, in that wholeness, in that oneness, and wants to have that with us. Um, so in, in that physical relationship is de designed not just for, for procreation, but also to fulfill the longing we have to be one with another person. Um, in marital sex, the husband and wife do more than just connect physically. They connect on a very intimate 
um, level. They're vulnerable with one another. They're serving one another. They're, um, they're providing a, meeting a need for one another in a way that nobody else in the world can meet because they're within the boundaries of that marriage. They come back and reconnect after being out in the world, and they just reaffirm that oneness and that love that they have for one another. Um, but when we throw pornography into that picture, regardless of which spouse is involved in it, or lustful thinking, if it's not through pornography, um, that's kind of the opposite of that connection, right? It, it, it's something that you do on your own. You're isolated. You're gratifying yourself when you're involved in that. And you no longer need your spouse to, to take care of that need with you. And so then you miss out on that opportunity for the connection that you could be having through, um, through that marital sexual relationship. Um, the human body is designed to respond to sexual triggers. So typically it's maybe something you see, especially for men, they say it's something, something you see. They say for women it's more relational. But um, then you have this f- physiological response within your brain. So dopamine and adrenaline come rushing into your brain when you see something that causes a sexual response. And then you have, that, you have a choice at that moment. You can pursue that rush of adrenaline or dopamine. Um, Dopamine is something that is used for lots of bodily functions. It's kind of like a catalyst that helps us uh, take action. So if you're hungry, you don't just sit there. You get up and you go get something to eat. Dopamine is what causes the actual um, action. So with the sexual response, you're getting this neurological reward when you, that dopamine rush begins and then you act on it. You somehow either go, you know, continue with watching or thinking about those porn- pornography or lustful thoughts or take up some sort of action. And oftentimes it does lead to self-gratification or orgasm. And so because of that, we continue to go back to it over and over. And it becomes this pattern of thinking in our minds. And um, like I said, it's... it's um, isolating. You know, we, we just take care of this ourselves. And so when we, um, it becomes really hard to combat because it does, it can become an addiction. It's a, it's a chemical addiction in the brain. Um, and the problem with it is that that rush, the level of um, pornography, the level of the, the explicitness of the pornography begins to become no longer enough. And it takes more and more to get you to that point where you're still getting the same rush. And that can become very dark, um, and so uh, it's dangerous. And then we take that into marriage. And, um, and if you're not married yet, you take this idea of, like she said, like Billie Eilish said, of what you think marriage should be like and how those needs should be fulfilled. And it can be a really dark place that, that the person that you marry doesn't want to be part of. Um, and you may think that if, um, if you're not married that you'll be able to just walk away from this once you do get married. If you're pursuing pornography now, you think, oh, well, when I'm married, I'm not going to struggle with this anymore. But it turns out, Scott and I have found out from talking with a lot of couples, um, it's not as easy because it truly is a physiological addiction. And so um, the things that you're doing now, even if you're years and years away from becoming married, really do have an impact on on your future relationship, your perception of marriage and the the sex acts with sex act within marriage, and also um, that, that level of intimacy that you can have with your spouse. Um, for men, like I said, it's typically something visual, and um, so that becomes a problem for women because if they feel like their man is watching something and on the screen there's this woman and they, they don't look like that woman, there's no way they could ever look like those women. Um, 
they begin to feel insecure about their bodies and they don't want their spouse to see or interact with their bodies and that, that causes a problem. Um, it may be that the things that they're doing on the screen are things that, that the woman is not interested in doing and um, then they think I'm inadequate and I can't meet my spouse's need and so that becomes a problem. And so pornography and those lustful thoughts become a tool that the enemy uses to divide our marriages. And remember I said that marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ's love for the church. So Satan loves this. It's, it's one of his favorite tools, especially now when we're carrying it around in our pockets and we can access it anywhere we go. Um, and Scott mentioned earlier, um, pornography can lead to uh, adultery. He said 300% increase in adultery for people that watch pornography. Um, it also oftentimes leads to, to domestic abuse because of the darkness and some of that stuff and then even human trafficking. So um, you can see how it's one of the enemy's greatest tools to use against us. And then what happens is, not only do we feel isolated physically from our spouse, but we're also isolated from God because we have this inner conflict of, I want, you know, I want that dopamine rush, and so I'm gonna pursue that, but I wanna be right with God, and the, the divide becomes bigger and bigger, and we feel shame and we feel remorse, and we're back here in church every Sunday confessing the same thing over and over again, and then we think, oh, God's so tired of hearing this from me. It, it just increases that divide. We don't even want to turn to God anymore because we're so shame, we feel so shamed. And um, so it's a problem. Um, and it's not just when men view porn. It's also when women view porn. The research shows, people that research these things, show that the porn sites that women go to tend to have more of a relational aspect. So there's a storyline, and then there's something explicit that happens as part of that storyline. And so that meets the need the woman has for the relational side. Um, it also is in novels that we read, romance books, where there's a boy meet girl happily ever after. Some of those are lighthearted, and you know they call them sweet, cozy, or um, fun, or something. Some of them have some other adjectives to describe them, and they can be peppered with explicit scenes, very graphic sex scenes. And so, and it seems innocent because I'm just reading a book. Um, but they can be just as damaging. And uh, like I said, in two ways, they, they lead to that lustful thinking, the, the isolation and self-gratification, and then they also lead to disillusionment. Because there is no way that your spouse can live up to what you're seeing on the screen or what you're reading in the book, or even I've found out lately, watching anime, it, those cartoons um, can become apparently sexually explicit. In fact, I was sitting with Cody last night and he was playing this game on his computer or on his tablet where um, there's some armor and he had to, you can design your own armor, like a, you can do a gladiator, you could do a ninja or all these different ones. And um, so some ads are popping up throughout, but one of them, was this ad for, um, I guess it's an app that will take a, you put a picture in and it ch changes that person into an anime figure, whatever cartoon. And so the person in the picture there, there were two, two of them. One of them had a very revealing shirt on and you, so you could see how that would very easily translate you know, into anime becoming pornography. Um, so we know the physiological response that's happening in our bodies and um, we know the damage that it can cause and the disillusionment that can cause even the separation between us and the Lord, but what are we supposed to do about it? Um, and so this is where I just want to reiterate that, you know, we're, we're coming from a place of brokenness ourselves, and we're not all about shaming people or um, making people feel defeated. We believe that you can have ultimate victory through Jesus Christ. 
We think he changes lives. We know it because we've seen it in our own lives and we've seen it in the lives of others. So we want to look at this from a biblical perspective. You know, what, what does God say to do about this? Um, the first is that if we can admit our brokenness and repent, which means to confess and turn away from it, God will bring healing, he will bring freedom, and he can restore that healthy sexual relationship that, that you want to have with your spouse and that you hope to have if you're not married yet. Um, so number one, we're going to just give you three practical steps. Number one is repent. Repent means to confess it, but it also means to turn away from it. So it's like if you're going along and you, you know, come across something that's pornographic and you recognize you have a choice in that moment and you can um, continue to watch it and get that dopamine rush and that self-gratification uh, that we talked about, or you can, you can stop and turn away. If you don't turn away in that moment, there's still the opportunity to confess to the Lord, hey, this thing I did is wrong, and I, I don't want to do it anymore. But the key is to turn from it and to go in the other direction and to set up some parameters and boundaries in your life so that you're not, as, not lured in as quickly. Um, when you confess something, bring it out into the light, it no longer has power over you. And it can be confessing just between you and the Lord, but it will be most effective if you have to confess it out loud to someone else. We don't like to do that. Um, it, you know, it's embarrassing. So, but if you can bring it out into the light, and then the person that you're talking to, if they're a trustworthy person, they're not going to respond with shock or dismay. They're going to say, probably say, yeah, me too. You know? <laughs> um, so that takes some of its power uh, away, and then you know, like I said, to, to turn away. Um, last week, Josh, Joshua Club and Jenna were up here and they were talking about their experiences from, um, from their, the perspective of their age. I've got a lot of years on them. But one other thing that Jenna said that I thought was really helpful was she talked about how, um, how guilt can actually help. And it, I thought about it for a long time because we don't really like to think of guilt as being something positive. Um, but if you change that word guilt to godly sorrow, which is how it's described in this verse I'm about to read to you, I, I think it helps a little bit. In 2 Corinthians 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 10, it says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So repentance is the turning away. When we say, oh God, I'm sorry I did this, but we don't actually turn away from it, that's where we feel, it says it actually leads to spiritual death because we don't feel connected with the Lord anymore because of our, we're ashamed or you know, we think somehow he's not going to know. Um, but if we can repent of it, which means to confess it and then turn away from it, it says that that results in salvation. It, it helps to take away that spiritual break between us and the Lord. And it also... Um, will help restore your relationship with your spouse. So we're not called to beat ourselves up or to live in shame. Um, we just need to recognize what, we've, what we're done or what we're doing and turn away from it. And then the second, or let me uh, also tell you about this first. Once we've admitted it and told the Lord that we need forgiveness, the great thing is that he wants to not only forgive us, but also purify us and help, help us be free of it. In John 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So he doesn't just forgive us, he also purifies us, and he does that work. It's his responsibility. After we accept the forgiveness that's ours, the second thing, so number one is repent, and number two is accountability. 
Um, the second step is to get into some kind of accountability group. It could just be with one other person. It could be a small group, Bible study, something like that. It's probably best if it's someone that's your same gender. Um, and this would be your opportunity to um, talk to someone who's maybe struggled with something similar and found freedom in a place where you can confess it out loud if you need to, and that person can help you in the repentance portion of it. Um, Sometimes we like to have our spouse be the person that holds us accountable. And, and it is important for your spouse to know if you are um, in the process of trying to break free of these lustful thoughts and pornography. They can support you and encourage you. Um, and I also think it's important for the spouse to forgive the, other, the person that's involved in it and to help begin to rebuild that trust and to rebuild the physical intimacy again so that they're not stuck in isolation um, but I, from, for me, I don't think that your spouse should be your accountability partner, the person that holds you accountable, because I think that puts them in a position of more like a parent, where they're checking up on you, and they're, they're disappointed if, if it doesn't work out, and, and then you have to repent again. And, um, and so I just think it's not healthy if, you're, if the goal really is to rebuild the trust and to reestablish a healthy physical relationship. It should be someone else outside that is um, your accountability partner. And then the third step is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And um, the battle really is in the mind. You may still be longing for that dopamine fix, but it, and it's so important to have thoughts ready to replace it. People that struggle with anxiety or have panic attacks and things like that, um, one of the ways that they're trained to help themselves out of that, you know, if you're having the anxiety or the panic attack, is by a cognitive distraction to have something that they think about that actually takes some mental energy that can take their mind off of whatever it is they're panicking over. Um, and so the same is true if you're trying to, to actually repent and turn away. If you have something ready to think about, um, it can help you. So let me um, share these verses with you from Colossians. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's neither Jew, Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So it says at the very beginning, it opens up and says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You are in charge of what you think about. You can change your, your patterns of thinking. What I do is I memorize scripture because to recall the scripture is enough of a, it's cognitively difficult enough for me to remember, especially since I'm old, um, that it distracts me from whatever it is that I'm trying not to think about. And it also is putting that word in me to help me with the renewing and knowledge. Um, and then the second thing I love from this is that it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. 
sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Since you've taken off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So to be renewed in knowledge, um, it really is being ready with those new thoughts to replace the old lustful thoughts. But, and also it says not just to replace them, but to actually put them to death. So it's extreme. And the reason is that you've taken off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new. And did you catch this? You're being renewed in knowledge in the image of your creator. Remember, it goes back to what we said earlier about being image bearers. We're being renewed in God's image through knowledge and the knowledge comes from his word. The only way we can be renewed in knowledge is to really get to know the God whose image we bear. And we do that through through Bible study, through being in his word, through memorizing his word. Um, and those things will help us take those dopamine-seeking um, thoughts captive before they have a chance to hijack us and lead us down that path um, again. So I want to share one last verse with you. And I think this one is really inspiring. Um, in 2 Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we can tap into the very divine power of God, the power that created the world, the power that raised Christ from the dead. We, can, we have that same power within us through the Holy Spirit to enable us to live this life and with godliness. It says everything we need for life and godliness, and it comes through our knowledge of him. So it's all about what's going on in our minds. It's our knowledge of him that's going to give us the freedom that we long for from the lustful thoughts or the pornography. And it's also going to give us that ability to reconnect with our spouse or connect with our future spouse and also connect with the God who created us and desires to be in this deep, intimate relationship with us because he is the groom and we are the bride of Christ. So um, I want to, Scott's going to come now and he's going to tell you about some resources that go along with the renewing of your mind and the accountability things. So go ahead, Scott. Thanks. So we're all about freedom. Like we believe that Jesus can free us from these, these chains that bind most all of us because we're all sexually broken to one degree or another. And so if you haven't noticed, we've got tables out there that have various resources with regard to the, the different topics and issues and subject matters that we've been talking about. I would um, encourage you to take some time and look at that. But if you'll go to our website and you go under resources, there's a host of resources we have listed there. Lots of books, um, podcasts, articles. There are some websites that we encourage you to look at. So um, the Pure Desire Ministry is a great website. Um, they have podcasts as well that you can listen to. They have incredible resources. Um, we're going to start some groups coming up in the next few weeks for men and women with regard to these different areas that we've been talking about because we want people to experience the freedom that is available to us through Christ Jesus. So be on the lookout for that. Sutton's going to speak on that more next week. There's also another really good website that I'd recommend called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes, and there's some resources there, too, to put some boundaries on some of our devices to really try and help us along that and help our our children as well. Um, Nothing is foolproof, but there are really some some great tools out there to help us, again, take every thought captive, 
to, to really submit it to Christ and to have our minds renewed. So um, please go to that. Um, Carolyn has one more point that, that she needs to make, and I think we need to hear. A lot of people here um, are in desperate need of this, wherever you want. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, so far in this series, we've talked about choices that we might make on our own about our identity or our sexuality or our gender. Or our gender. But sometimes people make choices for us without our um, permission, and that can lead to sexual trauma. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about this. Um, It happens, like we heard last week, both inside and outside of the church. It can be something as basic as somebody making a remark about your body that makes you feel uncomfortable, or somebody sending you a picture on your phone that you didn't ask for, or it can be something as extreme as sexual assault or rape. Um, it can be something that is, happens with someone that you're in a relationship with that uses their relational power to try to coerce you to do something that you don't feel comfortable doing or that you're hesitant to do. And um, in that situation, I just want to make it perfectly clear. If you're with someone and they are not enthusiastically responding with a yes to what you're wanting them to do, that means no. And if that has happened to you, God can bring you healing. I just want to offer that to you, and I want you to hear my heart behind it. This is a place where we're deeply wounded. We can be deeply wounded, and and yet God can come into those wounds and bring true healing and freedom and restore your identity and your wholeness. And so I want to offer you that. And um, one of the ways that the church can help with that is uh, through our healing prayer ministry. I've been part of um, going through healing prayer with regard to this topic, and I'm telling you, it, change, it changes everything because Jesus can come into those places and go back through the memories of what happened with you and truly bring healing. And the prayer ministers that we have are trained specifically for this type of healing. And um, so I want to offer you that hope and that encouragement. And if it's something that you feel um, nervous or uncomfortable about, if you want to come and talk to me, I'd happily talk to you one-on-one, and then I can you know, go even go with you if you wanted to the prayer ministry or direct you in their direct, um, you know, put you in their direction. But um, it's always confidential. It's a very safe place. But I want you to know, regardless of whether it's something that's happened to you um, at the hands of someone else or the words of someone else or something that you've participated in on your own, um, by, of your own volition, God wants to bring us healing. He wants to bring us freedom. It's the whole reason Jesus died on the cross was so that we could have complete access to God and intimacy with him and forgiveness from sins. And um, so I just exhort you, I want to exhort and encourage you to um, bring these things to Christ and ask him to bring the healing and ask him to bring the, the freedom because he will do it. And as we go, um, Scott's just going to pray a blessing over all of us, and it is another type of exhortation. Exhort means to strongly encourage someone so, or urge them. So Scott is going to read this. It's directly out of um, Philippians chapter 1, and this is when I was telling you about memorizing Scripture. This is something that I've memorized this summer, and I've, I've thought about it so much. But it talks about how our love can be filled, it can be abounding even, with knowledge and depth of insight. And that knowledge and depth of insight can lead to purity and fruit. So um, if you would, if you would just close your eyes and bow your head and open your hands if you feel comfortable and just let Scott pray these words over you and just kind of ingest them and let the Spirit work in you as you hear them. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight 
so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And God, we do thank you that that healing and wholeness is available to each and every one of us, that none of us are too far gone, none of us are too broken. And Lord, when we recognize that brokenness in our desperate need for you and the healing that only you can provide, that is a good place to be because you are in the healing business. And Lord, we do pray that you would shine a light on, on all this darkness, the things that we have bought into, all the pornography and just how prevalent it is in our midst and how widely accepted. Lord, but um, if a Billie Eilish can see this is incredibly destructive, we pray that that word, that light would go forth, that that truth would be made known, whether it's through your word or just through people's words and experiences, Lord. And so we pray that you would just shine a bright light and that you would um, help us to experience the freedom that comes from, from being bold enough to confess it, to, to being um, bold enough to share our struggles with other people, and, and being courageous enough to receive the healing that you offer us. Lord, help us to reach out. Help us to take the time to renew our minds, to fill our minds with your truth, and, and to supplant the lies of the enemy. We ask it all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.